0: I'd like to talk today about something I learned about love a long time ago and about relationships. And it was this statement and it's interesting and it's true. And after being a marriage and family counselor for over 20 years, this is an important concept to understand and then we'll equate it and relate it to our neurodivergent loved ones and how to help mentor them better. But the statement is this, we fall in love with someone because of how we feel when we're with them. Let me say restate that in a different way. We fall in love, we connect, we like someone, we bond with them because of how we feel, how, how we're experiencing the interaction. Now, it's interesting as well, because if you think about it, we can fall in love with someone having an experience about them and they don't even know we exist. So, We can fall in love and or become infatuated and build a deep relationship with someone who has absolutely no idea that we're living. And it happens all the time because as we're imagining that person in the relationship and what it would be like and thinking about them, we have all kinds of intense chemicals flowing that feel good, dopamine hits and all of that. So the lower brain really kicks in and, and even the higher brain and says, this feels great. And then we bond and we want to be close to that person because we seek out things that feel good. And the reason I want to talk about this today is because so many of our teenagers and young adults who are neurodivergent and who have struggled and are self-aware enough to know that they have put others around them through a lot of extra work, pain, suffering, crises, sacrifice. At some point, they feel shame and they feel negatively about the situation. And it usually comes when they're aware enough, one, and two, healthy enough to be out of crises long enough to value someone else's experience. And they don't tend to have a lot of insight, so they might not be aware, but they are definitely going to react whether it's conscious or subconsciously, it doesn't matter. If they feel badly when they are around you, they are going to avoid you. And when a young adult who's 18 to 22, who recognizes they have been a disappointment, they have caused you stress, frustration, marital fights, sacrifices at a job or even a career, when they realize that... You've had to spend a lot more time and energy with them instead of other children or on your own hobbies and talents when you've missed vacations or you, you've you had vacations ruined because of your loved one. They, they really do know that even if they're not consciously thinking about it or even capable or mature enough to apologize yet, they might become that. They might not, but so often our students feel guilty, bad, shamed, embarrassed, because of their history that they start to pull away from parents. The second thing is they don't want to be lectured, parented. They don't want to be reminded they're a child. So when parents continue in the equation of I'm the parent, you're the child, and I have to keep parenting you because you're acting like a child or you're not an adult yet, that makes them feel bad. So if you're trying to be a good parent, even if you do everything right, lovingly, non-judgmentally. You've never done anything resentful. You've never even gotten frustrated. The neurodivergent teen or young adult often feels bad in that scenario. And then they disconnect and they start to pull away because they don't like how they feel when they're around you. So the perfect parent can get someone who pulls away and that the negative parent, the parent who's unhealthy and that you fight a lot with is obviously going to cause them to want to pull away. So oftentimes, parents are healthy, they're great, and they do really good work. If they stay a part of the equation in the young adult's life who is trying to become independent, then the young adult neurodivergent is reminded of that they are a child, that you are in the parent role and they don't see you as a partner or a mentor role yet. They are reminded of all the negativity and they feel negatively. So they they pull away as soon as they can. That is a developmentally appropriate situation. And sometimes it's scary and sometimes it hurts like crazy. Uh, right now, our, our son has pulled away in so many ways that he thinks he can't have Um, a constant connection with us. He really doesn't want us to know where he lives. We finally found out that he's up in Idaho. He's living, he's surviving somehow. I don't know how. He has pulled away so much. And I don't think it's because we were bad. I don't think it's because we did anything wrong. I think it's because when he was around us, either he couldn't stop feeling like a failure and a child, and he needed to cut those apron strings to grow up, or... He thought we were going to judge him. I just think there were so many negatives that he needed to have a clean break and pull back. And that's great if he can. I think he's struggling terribly. I don't think he's healthy. I don't think he's taking his medication. I don't think he's eating well. I think he's lonely. I think he's depressed. And yet we know that we've done everything we can to keep a safe bridge open so that if he needs something... He connects with us and calls. The only time he's called in the last few months has been for money, which we aren't willing to give him unless some other things happen. For example, we're not just going to ever send him cash. We might we might pay for something if he really needs it. But every time he's asked for money, we've said we, we don't mind buying the thing or paying this, but we're not going to pay for a lot ongoing because that's something we'd have to discuss and he'd have to partner with us more so he doesn't want a relationship right now and we're giving him space but he does call him you know he's safe and and that he's surviving he desperately needs this time to learn that he is capable of making it on his own and it's been really hard it's in some ways been a relief to us because we don't have to deal with him on a daily basis and the crises aren't nearly as often And he doesn't turn to us right away, which has been a developmental appropriate stage. It doesn't mean we've lost our relationship permanently, I hope, but for him to learn that he can be his own person, he did have to pull away. And that's a very common scenario. The upside is once they have found themselves and built enough confidence and enough evidence that they're succeeding or capable or lovable or making it, but I actually just, this is on my mind because I sent him a text this morning and I don't do it very often because I know he really wants his space, but I actually said, hey, I know you're struggling financially and even emotionally because of something that happened and I just have to say, I'm really proud of you for making it. You're doing it. You've been on your own without us for months and months and man, that's great. I'm actually Really impressed. And he just beamed. You could tell through his text back, he said, Yeah, it's been really good and it's been really hard. Hey, can I have some money? <laughs> of course he has that. And I I pushed him off to Debbie and said, if you want money, you have to go through mom. He's the gatekeeper right now about that, which is fine. We we kind of take turns with having to be the hard guy or whatever, but I I love that he's having this independent growth period. I also know that when he's proud of himself, he always comes back and connects. He's texted us randomly saying things that he's done well, which means he has attachment to us. He wants us to be proud. He doesn't want us to know where he lives. He doesn't want us controlling him in any way. He's highly sensitive to us being in the equation. And so we've stayed out of the equation as much as we can. And he's pushed us out of the equation as much as he can so that he knows we're not messing it up. That's really closely connected to pathological demand avoidance as well. If he's doing everything on his own for himself, how he wants, he doesn't have to deal with PDA and the pressure and the stress that comes from outside forces polluting and tripping up. And adding chains to his own personal decisions. So external pressure that he imagines or are real create pathological demand avoidance. And then their self-sabotage and, and the functioning goes down. So I love that he's doing it on his own. I don't like that I miss him sometimes. I don't like that he's not there for family events right now. I love that he calls us calls us if he's in crises or in danger, we talk it through. We don't enable him by just throwing money into something that is going to be misused and give him more evidence that he screwed up yet again. Um, and what's going to happen, because I've seen this happen with many other students who are a little more functional and a little further along in their development than my son, is once they find themselves and build attachments to themselves, They always return and they don't return as someone who's afraid of being in a relationship because they know they don't have to be influenced by us. They know they've made their own decisions. They know they don't have to rely on us. So they don't have to come back into the relationship and go back to the the imbalance of the parent child or the dependent, the dependent one on somebody And I am really excited for that day because then I'll just be able to have the adult child that I've always wanted in a relationship where we can just enjoy each other. When they come back the hero, it made the sacrifice all worth it. That's the process of disconnect and reconnect and unenmeshing and re-interdependence that can happen in our relationships with those that we love who are neurodivergent. So remember how they feel about themselves may not have anything to do with you and what you've done right or wrong, but how they perceive the interactions and what's gone on and what you might do and how you might be feeling. And if they feel negatively, they're going to pull away. And if they can't pull away, they're going to resent you. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to let them go. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you real soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com.